This season, we are talking about opting out of systems and taking radical responsibility for every area of our lives. And I know that many, many of you are feeling this pull and this stirring right now. Um, COVID was a catalyst for many. I know many of you were already kind of in this world and in this community prior to that. Um, but I'm loving the feedback I'm getting from this series. Thank you so much for your for all your kind words and sharing your stories. And today I kind of wanted to take a different angle, a different approach, because one piece of this that we haven't really talked about in this season is that when we are opting out, uh, we're doing that idea of choosing the hard thing, but the good thing, right? I talk about that a lot. It, it does a lot for our life. It brings a lot of richness and meaning and purpose, but it also takes more time. When we're growing our own food, we're educating our kids, ourselves, um, we're taking responsibility for our health. And so today I wanted to address how I manage that tension because there's some definite tension there. I hesitate to use the word balance. I might have used that word in the past. Um, the the longer I go, I realize that balance is really overrated. Balance is a myth. And really, the people I know who are movers and shakers in the world, balance looks very different for them or is not really balance at all. They come to a different sort of um, place in their life that feels good and works for them, but it's not how normal culture would define balance. So in today's episode, I'm going to take you through some of my principles and how I think of this, how I manage all the pieces of our old-fashioned on-purpose life that has a lot of moving parts and a lot of nuance. And hopefully you'll get some takeaways from this as well. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So many of the systems that we find ourselves attracted to, or, you know, maybe we didn't even really feel attracted to them. They're just the default setting of our culture, our modern day culture. But if we think about it, a lot of them popped up or came into vogue because of the convenience factor. Convenience is huge. You know, if you're in marketing, it's all about how can I make my product more convenient? How can I sell the convenience? How can I make this easier for the consumer, which is why homesteading is a little bit counterintuitive because we're actually teaching people how to do it the harder way. But, you know, I don't have to go into why you guys um, choose the harder way, why I choose the harder way. We all agree that for us, there's a lot of really solid reasons for doing that. But convenience is, is a strong pull. And I don't think convenience is wrong in and of itself, but I think it's really helpful to recognize um, maybe when we are lifting that up to a place of priority where it really doesn't need to be. So, you know, we're talking about systems this season and I've been kind of highlighting four different systems. Like I talked about a couple episodes ago that we have opted out of. So food, traditional health, uh, healthcare, uh, traditional education. And then this category, I'm still trying to figure out the, the, a good title for it, but just like 
the regular person way of thinking of money, where it's like, you got to go into debt and you got to be beholden to um, the system and you have to go do your eight to five job that you hate every day until you retire. And then like, we're trying to break out of that. So those are the systems that we're really pushing back against and questioning in this season. And uh, when I think about it, most of those have a huge element of convenience, right? Like we, as a society, eat poorly. We eat less nutritious food. We eat industrialized, packaged, processed food because not necessarily it tastes better because it's convenient, right? And that's the messaging that um, we've been sold over the decades. I find it so fascinating. I'm, I get really nerded out looking at old food advertisements especially in the 50s and 60s when we really started to see the shift of away from homemade from scratch food and really marketing this idea of convenience foods to the housewife and just the language they use. They really talked down um, about any practice that was too homespun, too from scratch. Like you want to be the um, cutting edge, trendy mom who's using this convenience item in the box or the can. And so they really played up this idea that you can't be bothered by food. It's drudgery. It's not worth your time. It's annoying. And you shouldn't have to deal with that. And so we've been sold that bill of goods, if you will, for many decades now. And it's really become, I believe, a very pervasive part of who we are as Americans, and I know, this, I know this extends to other countries as well, but I can only speak to my experience here in the U.S. Um, and how we, but you know, how we think of food overall. I like to say, you know, sometimes I feel like people feel like food shouldn't be their responsibility until they have it on their fork, and I really disagree with that. I feel like when we choose to take an active role in the food getting to our plate. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm off on a rabbit trail. So I'm going to try to get myself back on track. I could talk about that for hours. But food is a system that we find ourselves in um, with all of its downfalls and negative side effects. The traditional food, industrial food complex is convenience. It's a big one. Um, health, the traditional healthcare system, you know, pharmaceuticals, right? It's all about take this pill and your problem goes away, which we all know doesn't always really usually work like that. Um, and there's this idea of you won't have to do the work on yourself. You won't have to exercise. You won't have to eat better. You don't have to worry about this if you just take this pill. And once again, we see convenience rising to the top. <clears throat> it's the highest priority in that system. Um, education, you know, along with the history of food, I find the history of public education and kind of where we got or how we got to where we are today to be really interesting. Um, public education kind of has a couple different reasons as to why it became the establishment we see now. Um, but definitely, you know, convenience is a big part of that. You can send your kid to this building and they'll take care of not only just childcare so you can get things done, but they'll take care of having to worry about if they know how to read and if they know what two plus two is and history and all that. There's Benefits to all of this, right? Convenience can be listed as a benefit in some areas. Like it's definitely easier to send your kid to public school. There are days when our life is really crazy and I'm like, holy cow, holy cow. If I put my kids on a bus, my day would be so much simpler. So I'm choosing a harder path for a variety of reasons. We won't go into all of that today, but um, definitely opting into the public education system would be much more convenient. So I'm on this rabbit trail. I'm on my soapbox here just to underline this idea that convenience is something we may or may not 
sacrificed when we opt out of these systems. And so when we do begin to opt out, that means we often have to restructure our life, our schedule, our mindset, uh, how we move throughout our day is going to look different. It's probably going to look different than most of the people around you. That is not a bad thing. It's okay to be the weirdo. I'm raising my hand here. I'm always the weirdo in most groups I am. I find myself in. Um, but I, I think it's wise to embrace this idea of, you know, how can I be more efficient? How can I be intentional with my time? And time management is something that I've talked about on previous episodes. And uh, some of the pieces in today's episode, I'm going to echo probably principles you've heard me talk about before, but I kind of wanted to come at them from a slightly different angle. Because I was recently reading this book, I mentioned it on a previous episode called Winning by Tim Grover. And it's all about how um, high intensity people, namely in the sports world, how they operate and how they function. And one thing he said in that book that really got me thinking. And honestly, when I first read it, I was, I almost was like, nah, I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. But then as I started to think about it, I'm like, yeah, he's dead on here. He said that most people don't have a time management problem. They have a focus management problem. So he's like, don't manage your time, manage your focus. And as I've chewed on that a little bit more, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, you know, when I'm really, really honest in my own life, cause I'm, I'm pretty good. I would say at managing my time, like people often ask me, how do you get it all done? How do you balance all the things? And most of the time I feel like I balance it decently. Well, there are definitely days when I am, um, a basket case, like for sure when I do too much or I'm tired or kids are fighting or cows get out or something dies. And I'm just like, this is too much. Like, absolutely. We have those days, but for the most part, we manage the businesses, the schooling, the gardening, like it just works for us. Our crazy chaotic life works. Um, but on the times or the seasons or the days where I find myself, um, not (laughs) conquering the day as well as I would like, and if I get honest with myself and I take responsibility for the situation and I'm not blaming it on, on outside situations or other people, it's really when I let myself get out of focus. And, you know, with other people I've talked to or other people I'm around, I feel like that's a, a definitely a common theme that I am hearing or I'm seeing or I'm observing that we have the time, friends, but we probably likely are not utilizing it. Um, to the best of its ability and staying focused as we move throughout our schedule. So most of us are highly distracted. I think we've probably always been highly distracted as a species, but obviously phones are a big part of that. So we've gotten worse and worse as we have more things to consume and to pay attention to and really not just pay attention to, things that are vying for our attention, things that are assaulting us and saying, look at me, look at me, pay attention to me. And so we have this unique... um, we find ourselves in this unique situation as these old fashioned minded people who want to opt out, but we also are fighting these same assaults, just like everybody else of media and technology and too many options and not enough margin. And so what I wanted to share with you today is actually a bit of my speech from the Homesteaders of America conference. When I went to Virginia, uh, it's been about a month ago, I guess. Now I had the privilege of sharing some of my time management strategies and I wanted to share some of those points with you today because, um, you know, when I distill down how I think of time and focus and what's worked best for me, these are the principles that 
are the most valuable and that are things I can really apply to really any situation. They're not too in the weeds. They're not too granular. But I think if you can follow this really uh, rough roadmap, if you will, I think it's going to drastically change what you can get done in a day and how you feel at the end of it. Because that's another piece. Like, I know I have the capacity to get a lot done in a 12-hour period, but I also know that I shouldn't necessarily push myself to max capacity every single day. So it's all about knowing yourself and knowing how you tick. But okay, let's get into the details here. So number one, I've kind of alluded to this a bit. I've actually, I think I have a whole episode about this or a dedicated episode from last year. You got to set up your phone for success. And I am giving you this piece of advice very well knowing that I still struggle with this. My phone is still a temptation to me. There are times when I find myself still mindlessly scrolling. Um, last night was a great example. I had a really long day. It was an intense day. I had a lot of calls um, and I had a lot, a lot of things happening and I got everything done and it was, you know, 4.30 and I knew I should be making supper and just kind of getting my house in order because I've been, I'd been just preoccupied. And Instead, I sat down and I started scrolling Instagram. And I don't think that's always a bad thing because sometimes you just need a break. It's okay for your for you to just take a minute to not be the Energizer Bunny. But for me, that wasn't the right choice at that time. It was um, what Christian and I, we call sedation. I was sedating myself to avoid moving forward because I was tired and I was just mentally out of it. And so then when I kind of woke up out of my Instagram trance, I realized, oh my gosh, now it's 5.15 and now the kitchen is still messy. The supper is not made. And then I instantly felt stressed and a little irritable, right? And I was like more snappy at the kids because I felt behind and I felt overloaded, which I I know if I had opted to not scroll Instagram at that moment and just done those other things first and stayed on task and stayed focused, I would have eliminated some of that feeling of overwhelm and stress. And so I'm just telling you that story to say I'm not perfect with my phone. But here are some of the things I have done that really have helped. So the first rule with my phone is I have all the noises turned off. I do not like phone noises. And they also are very distracting to me. And if I hear my phone ding, even if I'm in the middle of an important meeting, the way my brain works, I won't be able to focus completely at the task at hand if I know there's like a text message or a phone call that came in. I'm just going to be thinking about it or worrying about it or wondering about it. So I turn off the ringers. I turn off the notifications. Um, that means I try to have as f- few little red, you know, um, boxes that say one, two, three, or 16 million missed <laughs> texts or whatever, as few of those as possible in my phone. Cause that triggers again, something in my brain that makes me go, Ooh, it needs my attention now, now, now. And that's really hurting my focus. So, um, <clears throat> I have Instagram on my phone. I took Facebook, the app off of my phone. I took, uh, my email app off of my phone. So I can check those things on my laptop, but they're not as accessible. And what's that, what that has done is just given me less things to mindlessly scroll through on my phone. Cause if I'm really honest with myself, email is a business thing for me. So I don't need to be checking email every second of the day. I can have times where I sit down, check it, respond and call it good. And same with Facebook. Like, yeah, I have a personal page, but most of the time I don't really need to be on there attentive all day long if it's a business piece, I can respond to that during set times. And so 
I really haven't had any inconveniences in my life whatsoever from removing both of those pieces off of my phone. Um, I've heard you can also, you know, you can remove Instagram and you could also post from your laptop on Instagram and stories and stuff. I haven't quite figured out um, how to do that in an efficient way because I use Instagram a lot for my business. That's where I make some really good connections. But even just partially removing apps has been a good thing for me. You can decide, though, what apps make sense for you to remove. Like um, I did a challenge with some folks uh, last year, I guess, about we did a time management challenge and some of them got really upset when we first talked about removing apps because they're like, I can't do this because this person's on that or I need this for work. And I'm like, it's, it's okay. You don't have to remove the same apps I've removed. But I would uh, encourage you to push yourself a little bit, get a little bit uncomfortable. Like I was very uncomfortable deleting Facebook off my phone and email. Like I was, didn't, it didn't feel super good. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do this, which sounds so silly. But um, I had a little bit of like, oh, what's going to happen? And I haven't missed it. It hasn't blown anything up or hurt anything. But you get to decide which ones um, work for you. The other thing that you can do is turn your phone on do not disturb. So, you know, for me, like today is an office day for me. So I have my babysitter here and I'm at work. I'm trying to stay really focused in my office. Checking Instagram and Facebook and dinking around on there is not good. Or, you know, when I have a Voxer, I use Voxer a lot. So having a Voxer come in, even if it's a business-related Voxer, but it comes in in the middle of me writing something or responding to an email or preparing for this podcast, it hurts my focus and causes me to use it more time. So putting it on Do Not Disturb is really helpful. It just silences those. And you can, I, I think depending on your phone, you can set it. So like if someone important, if you're waiting for your husband to call or um, a doctor's office to call you, you can program it with certain numbers that can get through the firewall of do not disturb. But that can be really good to preserve those pieces of focus. Because when it all comes down to it, phones are designed to steal our focus. That's that's literally how these apps were formulated. Um, if you've watched the documentary, I think it's The Social Dilemma, or one of my favorite books is Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. He talks about the slot machine effect, like Facebook or Instagram, where you swipe down and you release your thumb and then all these new posts pop up. It is the same physical reaction in our brain, this hit of dopamine, a chemical in our brain that you would get from gambling. Um, it's very much addictive and it is purposely designed to be addictive. So um, you are not a weaker human for struggling with that because it is literally fighting against your physiology to, to push back against these phones and these devices. So you're not alone for sure, but I think there's definitely strategies that we can take to still get the benefit of these devices without um, letting them control our life. All right, my next focus tip here. You heard me talk about this before, probably. I love the Pareto principle, aka the 80-20 rule. And for those of you who haven't um, been acquainted with that before, the Pareto, Pareto principle was discovered by an Italian mathematician. I don't know his first name, but his last name was Pareto. And he noticed it in his garden where he he saw that he had planted a bunch of peas. And this is why I like this illustration because, you know, gardening it just fits well, uh, homesteading. But he said, you know, he noticed that 20% of his pea plants were producing 80% of his yield. And so he started to play with this principle and he saw that it it applied to, of course, all the, the math and the algorithms and all of the economics and such. But it really applies to almost everything I can possibly think of. And so 
I think about this constantly when I am analyzing the pieces of my life and do I have too much on my plate and what can I cut out? What can I say no to? What can I opt out of um, that's not giving me results? Because I know based on the Pareto principle that only 20% of the things I'm doing in my life are probably giving me the biggest swath of results. And so this can be tricky. This can be really freeing. It can also be really tricky because I know for me at first glance, when I start to look through everything I have on my to-do list, my initial gut response is, well, all of it's important. Like I've even done this with my coach before. And he's like, what can we eliminate? And I'm like, nothing, absolutely nothing. It's all important. And he's like, no, 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 come on. Like, (laughs) so you kind of have to um, roll it around in your head, get really honest with yourself. Some of the things you're going to cut are going to be good things. And I'm going to talk about this more in a minute, so I don't want to steal the thunder of my next point. But there's probably things you're doing that are not bad. They're they're good things, but maybe they're not getting you results. And if we look at that results-based scheduling, we we think about the things that are most important to us. Maybe that's family time, uh, making sure your kids get a good education or feeding your family good food or hitting this mark in your business trajectory. And we want to make sure that all of our actions are tied to those results during that um, working part of our day, right? During the meat of our day. And there's totally time or totally justification for doing the quote unquote frivolous things on your off time, right? If you want to read a book or watch Netflix in the evening, I would say that doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a result. Although for me, um, sometimes vegging at the end of a long day is part of the result I'm after in that I'm trying to make sure I protect the margin in my life and give my brain a chance to rest. Because with the way I'm wired, I can go like energizer bunny all day long and then I burn myself out. And then I have no ideas, no creativity, no nothing. And I've been there before in my businesses and in my life, not a good place for me. Doesn't work well. So for me, you know, maybe the, the idea of taking Sunday afternoon off, reading a book, taking a nap is tied to more productivity, but that's kind of, we're getting in the weeds there. But I think my um, biggest piece of advice there would be stop doing busy work. Just if, if you can't figure out a reason or a result behind something you have on your calendar, chop it off, baby, like get rid of it. Which brings me to my third um, idea of tip for you. It's a tough one. I still struggle with this. Um, I don't like it, but it's a good thing saying no, right? Um, I find that in my life, when I really start to get out of whack or out of balance, there's that word again, or I start to get really resentful of my schedule, it's when I am saying yes to things out of obligation or to please the people around me. And I get it. I am a people pleaser like most humans. Like that's just a very common human trait. It's not abnormal at all. We all like approval. We're wired to get approval. We're wired to like the response of someone who's happy that you said yes to them. Like, it, you know, that's not necessarily a horrible thing, but it can get us into trouble. And um, I have to be, and I've learned to be very, very strategic with what I say yes to. And like I mentioned a minute ago, that usually means, especially these days, that I have to say no to the good things so I can say yes 
to the great things. Another way to put it is it needs to be a heck yes or no yes at all. If you're not instantly feeling, I absolutely want to do this, then you then you should not be doing it. And one of the ways I, I determine that is just my gut, right? If I get an email or an offer from someone who wants to partner or collaborate, or there's an opportunity and I am instantly reading that email and I'm like really excited, then, and I know this is something I've been seeking and, and, um, being, I'm been interested in it for a while. That's easy for me to say yes to it. It's easy for me to make the sacrifice to make that thing happen. Whereas if someone emails me and says this, this, here's an opportunity I have, you know, it's a good opportunity, but if I have to sit there and go, well, what do I want to do? Do I have time for this? Or am I doing this at all? You know, am I doing this just to make them happy or to be agreeable? Then that's where I usually find myself saying yes sometimes and then resenting it later. So it's very subjective, right? There's a lot of nuance. And um, I can't tell you which exact opportunities are right for you. You know, when I coach my clients, especially in business, sometimes they'll ask me, should I say yes to this? Should I say no? And I'm always happy to walk them through the steps or the, the strategies or look at numbers with them. But what it all comes down to it, I always say, you know, what's your gut telling you? What's your body feeling at this moment? And you need to trust that before you look to an outside source. Okay, my final point for you is a little trick I learned many years ago. So I love a paper planner. I know there's so many different types of planners. One, my friend was just telling me about um, digital planners are all the rage or in, in her circles, like you get a PDF and you write on it with your tablet, which she showed me hers and it's beautiful. I am not that high tech with planners. I still love paper and pen, specifically friction pens. I know I've told you guys about those before and you guys tag me on Instagram when you use your friction pens and it makes me so happy. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, planner nerd alert. Paper planners for me just get along better because I love to cross things off and I literally will hold that out in front of myself like a carrot when I get to cross something off a list. I realize that's bizarre, but that's how I roll. So I use a paper planner. I use that to manage my, my homesteading, my business life, all the other things. I don't use a specific homeschool planner. Um, I guess because I'm a pretty minimalist homeschool, uh, planner. <laughs> Does it make any sense? I'm pretty minimalist with, um, how I structure my kids homeschool curriculum. So I don't lesson plan, in great detail. I know some moms love that and that's their gifting. For me, I like to keep my curriculum pretty simple. We stick with books that I literally can kind of just open them up um, day to day and they have the lesson plans there for me that I can read through with my child as we go along. And I don't have to do a bunch of research and planning and writing and whatever ahead of time. So that's just my preference. So I don't necessarily have a dedicated homeschool planner. I just have my regular one. But one of the things I do, and this helps me really stay on focus throughout my week, is usually on like Sunday evenings, before we get started with everything, right before I go to bed, I go into my planner, I open up the weekly spread, and I fill in all the things I kind of know I have coming this week, this coming week, right? It might be processing tomatoes or there's a garden project or butchering chickens, or maybe there's um, painting that needs done at the soda fountain or podcasts that need recorded or videos that need edited, whatever it may be, write it all down. And then I kind of have boxes at the bottom of my planner where I just dump the projects. And then I will usually for the um, following day, like if it's Sunday night, I'll be kind of 
penciling in for Monday. Like I'm going to take some of the items in my project dump list and start assigning them into days or into periods. Like, so maybe Monday afternoon, I'm working on the tomatoes. And then Tuesday morning, I know that, you know, mornings are my freshest time of day. So once we get done with school that morning, I'm going to do some podcast episodes while I'm um, still coherent (laughs) and, and so on and so forth. And so then when I wake up the next morning, I take on the role of employee, right? So it'd be like, I was the employer filling out the task list. And then the next day I'm the employee. And I just go through that um, and check it off and get my little dopamine hit every time I check it off. And that's just so simple, but it's worked really well for me. I know when I wake up and I don't have a plan for the day, even if I have this beautiful blank slate of a Saturday, you know, like that's my dream is where I just have these wonderful day where it's just like wide open. I find that the day just goes better for me when I at least at the very minimum have a rough idea of the flow and what my blocks of time will be filled with. And I don't plan down to, you know, five minute increments. I, I just don't. But being able to know, okay, so I have a big, beautiful, wide open Saturday. I'm not going to do work. I'm just going to enjoy myself. But you know, in the morning, I'm going to be outside in the garden. In the afternoon, I'm going to ride my horse. Like just having those ideas, having a plan is really crucial for me. So I don't get stuck, you know, scrolling around on my phone or getting distracted or ending up where you're, you know, you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, I didn't really do anything that I needed to do. And I didn't really feel like I got a good rest or it just, it's, you know, that those days where you just kind of walk in circles and spin your wheels, but you don't ever feel that sense of accomplishment. So for me, that's important. And staying on focus by just filling out my planner in that way has been really crucial for me. And I still do that. Like even now I I learned that trick years ago and I still will go in before bed, fill in the next day, um, block it out. And then, you know, accomplish that when I wake up in the morning. So those are my biggest tips for you, my friend, as you work on focus and um, managing your focus. So just to reiterate, it's setting up your phone for success, using the 80-20 rule, aka Pareto's principle, learning how to say no, which I know that's way easier said than done, but if you can get comfortable with, um, being uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable to say no, but if you can get comfortable with that, at least, um, train yourself how to do that. It really can free up a lot of margin in your calendar. And then giving yourself a plan, a strategy as you move into your days with that employee employer little trick that I shared. Um, those are my four tips. Now I wanted to share something super fun with you. Uh, we're about done with this episode, but Many, many of you have expressed how much you enjoyed the old-fashioned on-purpose planner that I launched for the first time last year, and I'm very pleased to say that it is back. You may or may not have seen the announcement on Instagram, but we did another run, and the 2022, I still can't believe it's 2022 next year. I keep thinking it's 2021 next year. I actually said that in an email I I sent out about this planner, and I was really embarrassed. (laughs) They're like, this girl wrote a planner and she doesn't know what year it is. This is a bad sign. But anyway, I promise you, the planner is for 2022. But we made it even better. We made some really fun adjustments for this planner. We are um, getting ready to ship them out right now. Probably by the time you listen to this, I will maybe even have some planners here on the homestead starting to stuff them into envelopes and ship them across the United States. So um, the most notable changes for this year 
This is a dated planner. So last year we had an undated version just to give you more flexibility, like when you started it. But we had a huge request um, from planner users to date it this year. And I also made that request for myself because I found it to be a little annoying to have to go in and fill in all the dates and all the months. And I don't know, I just want to open up the planner and get rolling. So this is dated. It starts in January and it has dated weekly and monthly spreads. We also included three blank month spreads. So if you do get your planner, like right away within the next couple weeks, you can go ahead and use it for November, December. Um, you just you would just fill in those months and then roll into January with a dated spread. So I'm pretty excited about that. We also um, added more room for all of your seed starting. We had a lot of requests. We sent out some surveys and I was listening like, what do you guys want? What do you want to make better? What do you want to improve? You asked for more space to record your seeds and your garden harvest and all of that. So we expanded some sections of the planner. We added a lot more room for lists and note taking. So you're going to have a lot more um, flexibility there. And I would say probably my favorite change, we added section dividers with tabs. So we have the make it, grow it, record it sections. We have tabs now, the easy to find. There is a, drum roll please, pocket. Y'all really wanted a pocket. I wasn't sure if we could get it done. We worked with our printer. He's able to put a pocket on one of the dividers so you could stick all of the little pieces of paper, your little heart desires in the pocket. And the cover is much more durable than last year. We used a PVC material instead of a cardstock for the cover. So it will um, be much more durable as you stick it in the backpacks and the purses and the diaper bags and you cart it all over the homestead. So I'm very excited for you to get this planner in your hands. Like I said, we're pre-ordering right now, but by the time this podcast goes up, we'll probably be really darn close to shipping out orders. Um, just like last year, shipping is free and we're able to ship anywhere in the U.S., if you're in Canada, we have a digital option for you. So you can just check that out on the website, which is www.prairieplanner.com. And we have a bunch of bonuses for you and I'm super pumped. So we printed a set number of these. When they sell out, they're gone. I'm not gonna print more just with our schedule and our time. I'm not able to coordinate um, another print run. So. We are over halfway sold out at this point. We did sell out completely last year and I expect that to happen again. So I would not wait too long um, if you're wanting these, especially Christmas presents, things like that. I am guessing that they will be definitely gone before the first of the year is what I'm projecting. So prairieplanner.com, come on over and grab a copy and yeah, let me know how you like it once you get it and how you're using it. I'd love to see pictures of you guys filling them out and adding all your awesome brilliance and scheduling into the pages. So tag me over on Instagram once you get it. So that's all I have for you today, friends. Um, thanks so much for listening. I hope the tips on focus were helpful for you. You know, it's definitely a work in progress for myself, something I'm always struggling with or getting better at. And sometimes I do really good. Sometimes I feel like I'm taking some steps backward, but it's just part of the process is we opt out of these systems and we are choosing a harder life, but a better life. So thanks for being here and we will catch up on the next episode of the old fashioned on purpose podcast. Mm -hmm.